0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. One of the really devastating and heartbreaking truths about people who have traumatic childhood experiences, for people who grew up in homes that maybe aren't so forgiving, for people who suffer at the hands of bullying or being mistreated that they start to think that their story doesn't matter. When in fact, one of the most important things that we have is our story, and the decision and the choices that we make to not only let that story not own us, but for us to own it, and to use our story to make the world a better place. And That's very much the truth for today's guest, my friend, Coach Jimmy Nelson who Jimmy Hayes-Nelson, AKA Coach Jimmy, has been a high performance business coach for over a decade. And Jimmy's skills have allowed him to connect personal stories to products and services so that people can create the life that they want to have. I won't get into Jimmy's full story because I want you to listen to the show, but he faced tremendous amount of bullying, being overweight, having people not believe in him, finding himself at the brink of financial collapse. And then one day making a decision to become the hero of his own story jimmy's a great friend of mine someone that i look up to in the world someone who i think is an amazing leader who's truthful who's honest and who's texas draw will definitely get your attention so my friends without further ado let's get into the show you're listening to the think unbroken podcast where our mission is to give you the tools to heal overcome the past get unstuck and become the hero of your own story I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. It's our mission to end generational trauma in our lifetime through education and information. Thank you so much for being here, being a member of the Unbroken Nation, and learning how to become unbroken. Please do me a favor. It would mean the world to me if you take 30 seconds, leave a review for the show on iTunes so that other people can find this information, and check out our YouTube channel if you just search Think Unbroken. Thank you for being here. We'll see you in the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend, Coach Jimmy Hayes Nelson. Jimmy, my friend, what is going on in your world today?
2: Life is good in Dallas, Texas, and I have been looking forward to this conversation for a very long
0: time. Man, I'm so happy that you're here. You and I connected a few months ago at a speaking event. I followed your career a little bit over the last few months. I I love your effort, your energy. I see you in the gym all the time. I see you like doing the things you want to do. And I, I think that it's really incredible that you've put yourself in a situation to be successful in your life. And I would love for a little bit of context here, if you could tell us high level, your story, your background and how you got to where you are today.
2: Absolutely, you know, I was I was thinking about having this conversation with you and realizing, like, oh, I don't know how much of my story I've shared with you in our brief time together. I obviously got to hear you speak, and I was like, okay, so where did this start, Jimmy? Like, where do you where do you go? And it, this whole thing, if you believe it or not, it started in the first grade. So, in the first grade, I grew up in West Texas, in Lubbock, Texas. So, if you know where Texas Tech University is, that that's where I grew up. And I was thinking, okay, Jimmy, where did this whole thing start? And it started in the first grade, Murphy Elementary, Lubbock, Texas. And um, it was around Christmas time. It was a little before this. And my entire elementary school was doing like a Christmas play. And each grade had like a different like presentation they would do. In my first grade class, we were going to do the musical number called Too Fat for the Chimney. And It was an epic, epic story about how Santa Claus was going to be able to like deliver presents because he couldn't get down the chimney because he was too fat for the chimney. And this was like like the early 80s. So this is before there was like a childhood obesity epidemic. I was the fat kid in my class, like solo me. And when I think about it, I, I think I probably was the only one that I knew whose parents were divorced. And I don't know that was a fact. I just knew that. And so I, there was a lot of, a lot of confidence in, in little first grade Jimmy. But I thought, dude, this is it. We're having this musical number. It's about Santa Claus. Like, this is my time to shine. And they gave that role of Santa Claus to my best friend Justin Martin, who was the skinniest kid in class. And they put a bunch of pillows around him, and put him in a Santa outfit. And the rest of my friends, they dressed up like, uh, like Jane Fonda, nineteen eighties, like Jazzer size, with like the headband and the leg warmers. And So all my little support system, they're all upstage, like away from the audience, right? And they're doing like literally like a like a Jazzer, like a Jazzer size step routine, trying to get Santa in shape. Little Fat Insecure Jimmy, my dear, sweet granny, rest in peace, she made me like this onesie, feety pajamas thing where like your feet go in and you zip it up and it has the stocking cap and the drop bottom in the back. And they push me out to the edge of the stage to sing the solo, Too Fat for the Chimney. And like, I am terrified because I'm looking at it on my peers. I got no confidence. I don't know how I got here. And uh, I just kind of take this deep breath and it's just like, He's too fat for the chimney, too fat for the chimney. And dude, I saw people smile and their eyes light up like yours just did. And it was like the first time I got some kind of like positive reinforcement from a peer group. And I look back and I'm like, oh, that was probably the first time I knew what I was designed to do was be in front of audiences to get an emotional reaction. But what happens is a lot of times when we realize what our gifting is, that first time we ever experienced it, we immediately make a list of reasons why we can never do it. And that was what I started with. I was like, oh, you're fat. There's probably other people that sing better. You've come from a broken home. And it was just like this list continued to build up. And what it did is it really planted a seed of resentment in me. As I got older, I was trying to pursue this dream of, being in front of people even though I was really nervous to be in front of people like to the point where I really had like a physical leg twitch like this thing like I'm, I know I, I'm good at but I'm terrified to do I have no self-confidence and I and I um I developed what I would call like a victim mentality I was like really good at explaining why other people were having success why other people were chasing a dream that I knew I had a gifting for And I was, it wasn't complaining. It was, let me just, of course they're doing better in, they're going to the school. I can't even get to that school. We can't afford to even have me audition to go to that school or, oh, of course they're doing better. I'm holding down two jobs. Their parents are paying for things. and, And so I kept trying to chase this dream, but I continued to put weight on and I continued to have this victim mentality and this really toxic mindset to where I found myself in Florida. So every time there would be people around me that things weren't going well, I physically would move. Like I went from Dallas to Oklahoma, Oklahoma to Florida, because it was other people's fault. But these, these issues kept following me. And uh, I was in Florida and my mom called and said, Jimmy, um, we're back here in, they'd moved to Dallas by this point where I am now. And my mom says, hey man, we're worried about you because we're seeing all these bills stack up. We see you've maxed out three credit cards. We know things are struggling. We think you should move home. And I wanted to fight. I wanted to be noble and be like, "No, I'm chasing this dream." And I just surrendered. And I was like, "I was like, she's right." And I gave up. And so I found myself a hundred pounds overweight, a three time college dropout, moving back in with my parents at like 22, and that sucked. And I really that that dream, that little Jimmy dream, died because I came back here. And I stopped pursuing that altogether. And I was just waiting tables and bartending. And I remember I was like sleeping into like 11. Like I'd wake up and it was just like, how do I get to the end of this day? It was like, I'm not even nothing to be excited about. It's just survival mode. And I remember there was one day I got up late. So I'm running late already to like get ready for work. And I jump in the shower upstairs at my parents' house, wrap the towel around me. And normally I don't spend a whole lot of time in front of the mirror, 100 pounds overweight in a towel, but for whatever reason, that day, I just stopped and I didn't really respect the guy looking back at me. And I legit thought who's going to love this? Like Jimmy, this is your life. Like you're no longer a kid, you're an adult. And I always tell people that was my that was my shift moment. Like the heavens didn't open up, there wasn't like a lightning strike and like coach Jimmy was born. But <laughs> I actually keep a uh, I keep a sticky note here to remind me all the time of this idea of, are you willing to be willing? And that was that moment of, Jimmy, are you willing to be willing to think differently? Are you willing to be willing to get some feedback, to try something else? Because I was really good at telling you why something wasn't going to work before I ever tried it or why I wasn't good at taking feedback. I was not very coachable. And that was the shift. And what's crazy, and I know you know this, is, When you make that mental shift of, hey, I'm at least going to be open to some things I've really been shut off or defensive about, it's amazing how the universe shows you a bunch of stuff that's been around you, resources, people, things that have been around you the whole time. You just weren't open to it. And that's where that shift started. And that led me to, there was a guy I was already waiting tables with who was losing weight. And I would always just been too prideful, too much ego or whatever to ask him, you know, what he was doing and he introduced me to in-home workouts where i started taking baby steps and it was like these little series of baby steps it wasn't i I love the fact that we're doing it this this time at at the beginning of the year because i feel like people think they have to overhaul everything at these resolutions and i'm like and it's this all or nothing mentality right like it's got to be a hundred percent or nothing and we think we're really noble by saying Oh, if I, if I can't give it hundred percent, I don't want to do it. And we we think that's really noble. And I think what it really is, is procrastination and fear in disguise. And, uh, but that's what started that man is those little baby steps. And now I look up and I've been in business for 15 years, obviously took off the weight, haven't put it back on and been rewriting my story ever since that day in the mirror and just helping other people rewrite their story as well, man. Just like you are. Yeah
0: it's it's beautiful man and we have we have so many parallels in our in our journey together you know myself being 150 pounds overweight smoking mm-hmm. two packs a day drinking myself to sleep Working out of fucking Chili's. Yeah. You know what I mean? The the whole night. It's very similar. Yeah. And and then having this moment where, you know, I my entrepreneur endeavor as a photographer was starting to take off, but everything else around me was failing. My relationships, my health, my my self-esteem. And mm-hmm. I I went and I looked in the mirror one day after a suicide attempt, just being like, What the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. And, and like your sticky note, my, my question to myself was, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? Yeah. And and the answer was no excuses, just results. Because the the truth about it is up until that moment, like you and like so many people, like, and I think the thing I want folks to hold on to here is like, we're not anomalies. We are not outliers. Like this happens because we made decisions. And in the shift of my life, I think the greatest thing that happened is I was just tired of my own bullshit. I just refused to continue to be that victim. You said something so important that I think when when this sits with people and you hear this and it will have so much weight in your life that it'll transform you. And the words that you said were, I realized I wasn't a child anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such an incredible revelation. What, I, what I'm what i really curious about here, Jimmy, is talk through what that meant for you, what that was like, and the weight that that's carried in your life.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because it wasn't that people hadn't tried to help me before then. There were people that had encouraged me like, hey, Jimmy, let's, you know, let's go. Let's get off your ass. Let's do these things. And I just wasn't open to it. And I think for me, that moment in the mirror, that moment of like, who's going to love this? It, it reminds me of a, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories. Les Brown tells it. And he talks about this old man and a dog sitting on a pad, like out on the porch. And this little kid walks by and the dog's like moaning and groaning and making all sorts of noise. And the kid stops and goes, hey, but sir, what's wrong with your dog? And he's like, oh, he's laying on a nail. And he's like, well, why doesn't he move? He goes, oh, it doesn't hurt enough to move. It just hurts enough to moan and groan. And that's where I had been in my life until that moment. I was real good at telling you what I was dissatisfied about. I was really good. At explain, I wasn't complaining. In my head, it wasn't complaining. It was just explaining, rationalizing, um, you know, justifying. And I think we all can fall in that trap. That sometimes we do just have to stop and go. Cool, Jimmy. If you're not happy with an area in your life, what are you going to do about it? I, I, I do that with the people I work with all the time. I said, you can vent to me. We can come. We can talk. You can just you can vent all of that and i'm going to listen and i'm going to empathize as best i can but they know what i'm going to ask at the end is like man that sucks that really does i understand cool what are we going to do about it and up until that moment i was never willing to do anything i was never willing to do something different to get something different and you know for me it it all started with my mindset I, in fact i tell people the biggest battle of my entire life and i don't know if you, if if you, if you feel this way as well it was not the 100-pound weight loss. It's not keeping it off for over a decade. It is the battle that I choose, the battle that I choose to fight every morning with my head. I have to attack my mind every day before my mind attacks me because old Jimmy still lives in here. He's really loud at times too. And so for me, the way I do it, my hack, I know they tell people like, don't grab your phone first thing in the morning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an exception to this rule. I found that if I waited to see what kind of day I was gonna have, right? Old Jimmy was really noisy. In fact, I had one of my really early mentors that I was trying to build my business and I was doing the things and I wasn't having the right success. And he said, He's like, Jimmy, what are you, what are you reading? I'm like, bro, I dropped out of college three times. I don't do a whole lot of reading. He's like, What are you reading? What are you listening to? And I was like, I don't know. I get up like ESPN, the radio, I'm in silence, whatever, but I realized. I was always playing defense. It was, oh, my mindset, that, that noisy chatter would get at me. And then I had to play defense on it or just already be defeated before the day even got started. So this is what I do. When I wake up first thing in the morning, before I roll over, before I get any, I barely open my eyes. I grab my phone and go to YouTube and they have like all these montage, these like motivational montage videos of like, name your speaker. It's like, Tony Robbins and Les Brown and Jim Rohn and Mel Robbins and Shalene Johnson and Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, the list goes, Tony Robbins, all these people, the list goes on and on and on. And so what I found is when I woke up in the morning from like stumbling to the bathroom, uh, you know, getting dressed, grabbing coffee or getting ready for my workout, there was like this hidden anywhere from like 10 to 30 minutes in the morning. So instead of trying to find extra time to do something, I was like, And it's funny that I go to YouTube because I don't actually physically half the time even watch the video. I just need something speaking life into me first thing in the morning. I need something to fill my bucket, to fill my cup before, because we're all really good at being our own worst enemy. So it just gave me something else to focus on besides whatever was going to rattle around in my brain. And I'm like, I'm going to start my day on offense every day. And that's made the biggest difference.
0: Man, that's fascinating to me. and even. In this moment, I'm thinking to myself, I I want to actually try this to see the impact that it has because I'm anti-phone, but I'm open, right? And I think that's one of the really important things is kind of like seeing what happens because when those videos pop up and I'm with you, man, you get the right one and you're just like, fucking, fucking, yeah. right? And, um, and typically, when I start my mornings, it's very much silence, meditation, contemplation, consuming personal development. like maybe it's the same thing because I go to audiobooks for thirty minutes mm-hmm. every single day or a Tony Robbins training, something of that nature sure. and and so, but i I wonder if there's a speed shift, right? You know what I mean, and so i, I I'm very curious to try that. Why do you think that you know? we have so many people who are listening to this, who probably resonate who with both of our stories and various parallels and they go, I know they're asking themselves right now, like, what is the secret? Like, what are these guys doing that I haven't figured out? From my perspective, I don't believe there is a secret. I think the truth is it's decision-making, but outside of that, Jimmy, and, and maybe that is the answer, but I'm curious from your perspective, like how do you take control over your life again?
2: Yeah, I had an acting mentor a long time ago that I think when he, when he told me this, it was, it was in an acting context, but it's now become really a mantra. And he said, Jimmy, until you fall in love with the process more than the performance, he's like, you're never, you're, you're never going to win in this long term. He's like, you have to fall in love with the process, not just the performance, not just when people are clapping, just not when you're on stage. And I'm like, that's so true in life. There is no secret, but I have fallen in love with the idea of getting 1% better every day, and it and it is a balancing act. We can be really hard on ourselves and think, gosh, we're so far away, but how can you celebrate a 1,000% who you are today and look at getting 1% better as an exciting thought, not as punishment, not because there's something wrong with you because we've been given the gift to continue to grow at we're the only creatures that can that get to a tree can only be a tree your dog can only be a dog like we have the opportunity to continue to evolve each day now on the flip side we're also the only creature that doesn't always grow to its potential a tree's not going to stop growing until it gets to its potential and i think for me you know so many people that i work with are trying to recapture some former version of themselves, right? Oh, I peaked in high school, or I looked amazing, and I feel like life was rocking and rolling in college or my early 20s because they weren't living with some of the – they weren't living with, with their decisions. They weren't living with the consequences immediately. It was like delayed, right? We think about the compound effect and the things we do today maybe don't show up for six months or two years or whatever. Man, I grew up looking at the consequences of my decisions early on in my life. So I feel like what keeps me going is chasing this version of myself that I've never seen, right? I just turned 44 two days after Christmas and I still feel like I'm just getting started. I there's this version of me. I, I've heard Matthew McConaughey say it all the time. When he was a kid, somebody asked who, who was his hero? And he's like, I need a few days. And he came back. He's like, I know who my hero is. It's me 10 years from now. And that same friend came to him 10 years later. He's like, cool. So are you your hero? And he's like, I'm not even close. And it's this idea. I think when we talk about personal growth, it's really easy for people to look at it as this chore, as this uh, punishment, as – and yes, it can get really tedious. And yes, it is a bit of a to-do list, but the reward on the other side of this little bitty movement every day – if you've ever read um, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy or The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, they're kind of the same book, but it's this idea of if you and I – you know, if we use food as an example, and you and I go sit down and you have a really healthy amazing meal with like salad and a, you know, a chicken breast and some some rice or something and I eat two large pizzas, well we don't look any different today. But if every time we make a tiny little little step, little step, little step and you look up, and those two people are going to be vastly apart from each other. And it happens in life all the time so we think, oh, this idea of, you know, investing 10 to 20 minutes in the morning in my mindset of moving my body a day. Does it really matter? Does it really matter if I journal today? Does it really matter if I read 10 pages of a good book? Well, does it matter in the grand scheme of things today? Maybe, maybe not. But every day, you you've done it. I've done it. You let a bad day become a bad weekend, become a bad two weeks, becomes a bad six months. And you look up and it's six years later and you're like, how the hell did I get here? And it's what it's what we do every day, you know? And so I've just fallen in love with this process of how can I get a little better each day? And then just sharing this, it really has become a passion from a guy. And this is shows that we can change. I can't change you. When they say people don't change, that's a lie. I am literally a different animal than I used to be. But it was a little baby step at a time. It wasn't trying to overhaul everything at once. And I think that's what's created the
0: longevity of this. And the reality is like, we are adaptation machines. I think Tom says it, but Tom Bilyeu says it best. He goes, human beings are the ultimate adaptation machine. You you have so much capacity to create this massive shift in your life. And it's not like, you know, I think it's really interesting because people will measure themselves against other people and say, I can never have that. And the thing that I've sat with that hits really home for me is I don't want what you have. I want what I want. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important in this process. But to get there, like, Jimmy, you and I share a parallel. We love being on stage. Like, yeah. for, for me as a kid, like, I wanted to be Tommy Lee or Jay-Z. Like, that's it. And awesome. so I never played fucking instruments, and I never wrote rap lyrics. And so that didn't happen for me. But in this context, it has as being a leader and speaking power into people and and having this really difficult conversation. But with what you do, like, I don't want Jimmy's life at all. Like, I, like your life is probably amazing for you. And I think what's really important for people is stop keeping up with the Joneses, stop measuring yourself against other people and recognize that you have to have just a massive sense of clarity about who you are. But I will say this because I know it to be true. Getting that clarity is one thing. Making it come to fruition is another. And what I'm curious about, I'm going to say a single word, and I want to know what role this word plays in your life because I think it's the catalyst to everything. And that word is fear. Mm. What role does fear play in your life? Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma,
2: The fear, that the role that fear plays in my life is being told so often growing up, Jimmy, you have so much potential. And I know they meant that as a compliment and it haunted me and still haunts me because it's the fear that that potential that people saw in me growing up, the fear that people see something in me and go, oh, you could be great. You have tendencies of greatness in you. The fear of not living up to whatever potential God put in me frightens me. The fear to not get everything out that's inside me into this world or times that I've muted myself or I feel like I can't be that direct. I can't be uh, 100% me. And then I'm like, but what what if that was the impact you were going to have? The fear that drives me is not reaching that potential, is not becoming that guy that I've been chasing now, you know, for 15 years or however long this journey ha- has been going on. I think that's the role now that that fear does is what, you know, I think we've all heard the parallel about like when you get to heaven and there's this idea that there's the there's the you that was going to be designed and like, how close do you look to that version of you? You know, and that's, I think that's that's what fear plays in me is that I'm going to leave some untapped potential. And it's not so much, and I know that can sound really ego-driven. Let me be really clear about this. It's not about how awesome can Jimmy be. I feel if I don't reach my potential, there are people that I won't get to impact. The reason I got up this morning and did all, when I filled my cup today, because I knew I was having this conversation with you. I know it was going to be in front of an audience. And I'm like, in order for me to have the impact, somebody's going to hear this. Somebody's going to see this or hear this. And this may be that shift for them. And if I didn't show up today and do everything I needed to it wasn't even today, the last week, but it all, it, it, you know, it is a compound effect. What happens if I wasn't at my best today and that person that may be at the end of their rope, this was the thing that shifted them. And I didn't show up and challenge myself to be that 1% better today. So I didn't reach that person. I think that is what drives me. That's That's the fear of, not reaching that potential that I
0: heard so often as a little boy. When, when you're operating in your day-to-day life and what actually let's rewind a little bit. Cause I, I think this would be kind of practical. Historically in my journey, there was a lot of missteps. There was a lot of falling back. There was a lot of repeat behavior. There was a lot of really just, it was like I'd be climbing Mount Everest and somehow I'd find myself back at base camp. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar experience as you've gone through this process in your life? And if so, how have you managed to navigate that?
2: You know, I love the fact that you say base camp. So something I hear in people a lot, and I had to look back at my own journey was specifically when I was working in, in just the health and fitness space, right? I would get people that would, that would fall off the wagon, whatever you want to call that, would like stop working out, would binge eat, drink too much. And the question people would always ask me is, hey, should I just start over? And I was like, no, because this is what happens when we talk about base camp. Let's let's use the analogy of the mountain and we start taking some steps up that mountain. And let's say you sprain your ankle. You take a misstep. You sprain your ankle. You don't have to voluntarily roll all the way back down the mountain. You set up a base. You set up camp. First, what you do is you look behind you go, wow, some bitch, I've actually come up this mountain a little ways. Why would you voluntarily walk all the way back down the mountain? But that's what we do in our heads. We think, oh, every time I try to change my life, Jimmy. Every time I try to get in shape. Every time I try to start a business, this is what happens. You know, I get a week in and I fall off the wagon. I get two weeks in, or I get injured. I get this far in, and you know, I I have a really toxic environment. And some days I show up, and some days I don't. And I start over. But every time we go back down to the bottom of the mountain, we voluntarily go all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain. That mountain gets bigger, bigger and we start identifying ourselves with this is what i do that's the story that we buy into is this is what happens every time i try to change well what i'm going to encourage you to do is instead of voluntarily going back down the mountain you're go- there is no there is no mess up there is no perfect way you're going to have bad days you're going to have days you're like ah shit you know i I drank too much that night. And I have a hangover today or I ate wrong or my my mindset was crap or I didn't show up or, you know, I haven't really invested in, in in my mindset or something for days now and I snapped at somebody and I just, I've been in a funk. Cool. The fact that you recognize it is a step and just pause, regroup, you know, and then we step back up the mountain instead of this idea of starting over every time.
0: Yeah, and and I think there's so much space for grace in it. Like, we... Dude, I'm going to tell you, like over a decade into this, like I still make mistakes all the time. You know, I still look at decisions I make and I still go, okay, cool. I learned something about who I am today while still simultaneously trying to move towards the goals that I have, still trying to build the life that I want to have. And it's so easy to get caught up in destroying yourself. And I tell people all the time, you're so mean to yourself in your own head that if you said that shit to me, I'd punch you in the face. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I love the fact that you said that because. Whoever it
2: is that you look up to at the moment, right? It's so easy for us to think these people that we look up to, and I think it's great to have role models. We think they have it all figured out. There is something right now they're struggling with just as, and it may be, it was crazy. As I've met people that I look up to or have been mentors and stuff of mine, you know what I've found out is there is stuff that I do really well that some of them struggle with. They look at, once they become friends or once I've met them and they're like, hey, how do you really execute in that way? And I'm like, wait, why are you asking me? Like, you're the you're the person. And we each have, you may be looking at somebody that has figured out something where you struggle, but trust me, you got something under wraps that they struggle with as well. There is no cruise control in life. There isn't this, I've arrived, now I get to put it in neutral and just coast. You will always be struggling with something. You will always be pushing against something. And again, it goes back to my, and you have to be okay with that. Instead of going, gosh, what's wrong with me, it's called being a human being, and it's part of falling in love with the process,
0: yeah, hundred percent and and I think it's so true you know it's incredible as as I've got closer to mentors that I have in my life and I'll, I'll totally mimic what you just said, it's incredible to me when you realize like they're trying to figure shit out too. They have mentors, and they have mentors, mm-hmm. right and it's and it's one of those things. I, I want to shift gears here for a moment because i'm I'm really curious about something. There are people right now listening who think to themselves, well, I have a message. I have a mission. I want to talk to people. I want to get on stages. I want to be on podcasts. They, they have a dream of trying to step into trying to create something in, in regard to what we've created for ourselves. And they're stuck. Jimmy, what, what do you do, man? I'm stuck. I want to do this, but I'm stuck. Where do I start? It's embracing
2: being bad before you're good. And I, man, I love the fact that you brought this up. I was teaching a workshop the other day. At the end of the workshop, we're going through and building up people's stories to have an impact in the world. And I said, the person that goes and messes this up first wins. And it's because you don't get to be good first. I told you, like, one of my first auditions ever in college, I was so nervous that I, like, physically shook. Like, I would look at my hand and this leg And it felt stupid. I'm like, stop. It couldn't. Yet I knew I was designed to do this, but I'm like, my body was betraying me at the time. And and I had to be bad first. And I think in this social media world or whatever we come to, we think, man, you know what? As soon as I'm good at this, then I'll put it out in the world. And it just doesn't work that way. You can't get good without willing to be bad. And so for that person that says, man, I know I have a message. I want to get on stages. I want to be on podcasts. Start showing up when you have two views. Start going live and sharing that story. Start, you got to make it messy. You just have to be bad and just continue to show up. I look at early videos of mine, and I'm just like, what was I doing? Or DMs of trying to, you know, reach out to people or start a business. And I was like, I was really bad at this. Thank God I had to. And think of it this way, the faster you go embrace the bad portion, the faster you can get past it. But if you're just waiting to like, okay, when I feel better about this, when I'm confident about it, when I'm good at it, that so every time you don't take action, you just stay in your head, that monster gets bigger. That fear gets bigger. And when you step into it, you realize, number one, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. And even if it does kind of suck and you're like, that was pretty embarrassing, then you're past it. Then you got going. So I just... You got to go take action. We all do it every time, like the next phase of my life is. I pause and I'm like, damn it, Jimmy. Like, you've been through this before, just go be bad at this. Or we go, oh, somebody else is doing it better. Oh, I want to step into this area or speak on this, but there's already people in that area or there's already people in those businesses. Right. But none of them have your story and none of them are executing exactly the way you are. And I get really passionate about this because I fell into that trap for a really long time thinking, well, there's other people that already do what I do. They're going to pick the person that I consider famous or that I look up to. When I realize half the world doesn't even know the people that I look up to in my same space as well. Same thing about you, right? It's just like, cool, there's other people in our space that may have bigger audiences or you know a higher net worth at the time or however you want to rank somebody. I don't know, whatever you deem makes them successful, but that doesn't mean you can't help people. And all we have to do we don't have to be the expert. We just have to be like two steps in front of the people we're talking to and we're still adding value and allowing
0: them to learn from us. And and I, I love what you said, you have to be willing to be bad. And you know, it, it's funny, Jimmy, you, you see me the first time speaking on stage, you're hosting, I'm there, thousands of people watching you didn't see me in front of two people at a stand-up comedy joint while I was trying to figure out how to do that. You didn't see me in Bali in a room full of nine people doing my first presentations. You didn't see me in the first podcast when nobody listened and I was under a desk with a blanket over the top of my head because I didn't have all the things. Right. That's the reality. That's the truth about it. Like you want something you, we all start at one step. We all start at that very first thing and and the failure, which is inevitable, I promise you it is coming, is going to be the most incredible data that you have because you're going to be able to take those things and you're going to leverage them and you're going to learn about who you are. And you're going to understand things better than you've ever understood them. What, What do you think is the biggest failure that has taught you the greatest lesson in your life? I don't know That's the biggest. I fail every damn day.
2: Like, I literally, it's not, I, I remember I, once I was at this event and I was talking to this guy backstage and he's like, yo, Jimmy, he's like, what was the thing that shifted your business? What made it take off? What was, what was the, what was the big thing? And I never had anybody ask me that. And I paused and I was like, there wasn't, there was no big moment. In fact, some of the decisions that I look back on that made the biggest difference seemed really, it didn't seem like a big deal at the time right it wasn't this huge epic thing there wasn't this huge epic failure it was messing up every day like literally i can tell you at the end of the day there's very few days where i'm not like i'm proud of myself in fact i think it's really important to acknowledge you know our the things we do well the, the like our little steps you know but there's something i want to redo every day so i don't know that it's like the biggest failure it's just like cool what could have gone better today and, and, and when we're talking about failures, I do want to touch real quick on this idea of celebrating the wins. So people that follow me on my Instagram account, right, I, I, I share quite a bit of, you know, my workouts and stuff because it's just what I do. And, and for me, I think fitness is a great uh, analogy for so many things in life. And people will watch. And when I get done with the set or whatever I'm doing, I had this little thing, like a little pat on my leg. And I had people reach out like, okay, Jimmy, I've been watching you a while. What's up with the leg pad? And I was like, oh. And I remembered where it came from. So I was listening one time to, uh, it was a sermon. Uh, there's, a, there's a pastor named Stephen Furtick out of uh, Elevation Church in North Carolina, I believe. And he was talking about how he's, he can be really hard on himself about the things he doesn't do right. And he was talking about how he's taking tennis lessons. And he's taking tennis lessons, and he keeps, like, yelling at himself. He's just, like you were talking about, like, talking really negative to himself. And his coach goes, look, I understand why you're frustrated and the things that you're struggling with. You are struggling with, but you have a really good forehand, but you never seem to like acknowledge it. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, you know, it was the thing that kind of came naturally to him. Like this part of his game worked. He's like, yeah, I don't make a big deal out of it. It was like, I don't need to like bow up because my forehand was good. He's like, no, but you need to acknowledge the things that you do well. And he's like, yeah, but I don't need a big Tiger Woods fist pump. And he's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to find something. And what they came up with, was just he's like next time that you you do something good on the tennis he's, on the tennis court he's like he's like it doesn't have to be big doesn't have to be grandiose just just tap yourself up just pat yourself on the leg and for whatever reason that story really resonated with me and I was like I don't do that enough I tend to focus it's really easy with all my mindset work it's still real easy to feel what haven't I done what didn't go right it, it's just human nature is what we do so now. You'll you'll see me come off the stage. Like I'll speak, keynote MC. And I've had people notice that I slap because now it's it's ingrained in me. It's like almost second nature is this little pat of just like, cool, good job. Because I feel like that's important too. We focus so much on where we will always have something to work on, but we gotta acknowledge the things that that we did well today. It's it is this balancing act.
0: Yeah, it, it entirely is. And I think that those small acknowledgements, it's the same as this compounding effect we're talking about. Those carry weight because it's the little thing, like, like I swear to God, dude, it was me making my bed. For the Mm -hmm. first time at 24 years old, 25 years old, that led to now it's a daily habit. It's a practice. It's something that I do that fulfills me every single moment of every day because I'm like, when I have organization in my life, it feels like I'm living in a way that is in alignment with me and that matters, knowing who you are, trusting that you're making the right decisions for yourself, doing difficult things and giving yourself a little fucking love is not the worst thing that's going to happen in your life.
2: No, you need it. We all need it. And surround yourself with some people. You know, it. I think it was that idea when I got plugged into like a community, two things, people that believed in me before I believed in myself and being willing to take a little like feedback and a little things that it's not like, oh. There is a balancing act there, too, because we can be our own worst critic and we need somebody to come along like, hey, you know, you're doing good, like in some encouragement and then also be open to somebody going, hey, I know you can play bigger than that. I know you can be more consistent. I know you can show up more powerfully than what you're doing and not get butt hurt over it and super defensive because somebody And the only, what I found out that my, my the best mentors in my life, whether that was musically acting business, uh, fitness are these people that don't just always tell me you're the best. It's it's this balance of encouragement, but then they're on me, and they're on me because they see greatness in me. They see where the levels could go, and they don't want me to cheat myself out of that. And it wasn't until I started to embrace that instead of push back against it. That's human nature, to get defensive, to be like, oh, what you, like to well, I was just or justified or whatever, and just ex- think about it, receive it, and go, man, there may be some truth to this, and I know they don't, they are doing it to judge me. They're not doing it because, you know, they're they're attacking me. They're pointing this out because they see something great in me, and they don't want me not to be able to experience that level that they see the potential of me in.
0: Yeah, you know, I I love that one. One time after I I won this contest, Grant Cardone told me, you need to take your flowers and, and that means sometimes you just need to sit in what's happening and acknowledge it and not combat it and not fight it and not try to push it away, but let it exist because whether it's this small little bit of criticism that, that I think is important or a little bit of praise, like that starts to hold weight and carry weight with you as you go. Jimmy, this, this conversation, my friend, has been incredible. But before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is what we're going to do. Okay, I told you about those videos in the morning, right? So I started sharing those on my Instagram story. And I started having people go, hey, can you just send me what you're listening to in the morning? And I'm like, they're not all my videos. They're just stuff you can find on YouTube. They're like, that's okay. You d- I just want to listen to whatever you're listening to to start your day. You're getting results. So what I did is I set up a text service. So what I would love for you to do, and I answered You can ask me questions and stuff, but I will send you in real time. I don't schedule this. You'll know when I wake up every morning. Whatever I'm listening to every morning, I will send to you. You just need to go to textcoachjimmy.com and text me the word unbroken. Textcoachjimmy.com, text me the word unbroken, and I will send you the exact same thing
0: I start my day with every day. Amazing. I'm going to text that. I'm going to do that because I want to know, too. I'm so because I'm always about optimization and I'm like, if I don't try it and prove the hypothesis that maybe it works for me, too, then it's going to bother me. So I'm going to do that. I love it. I think those videos are incredible. My last question for you, my friend, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? To
2: be unbroken is to scrape yourself, is to get broken the day before and show up the next day. The fact that we woke up today, there is so much grace in that. I can think of all the things that I messed up yesterday, the things I said, the stupid stuff I did. And to be unbroken means you have an opportunity the next day to get up and dust yourself off and keep moving. The only difference between successful and unsuccessful people is not that we don't get broken, it's not that we don't mess up, but this is what I realized. Successful people just acknowledge it and get right back on track. It takes just as much time and energy to feel bad for ourselves, to wallow in it, to judge ourselves, to go isolate and hide in the corner, and then let that compound as it is to go, damn it, man, I messed up. I totally messed up. Cool. What am I going to do about it? Let me get right back on track. How do I dust myself off and how do I how do I correct this quickly so it doesn't compound? And to me that's what being unbroken is. Is just acknowledging it, taking 1000% ownership for exactly where you are and where you messed up and then go cool. I'm going to fix this today to the best
0: of my ability and get right back on path. And that's what it means to me. Brilliantly said, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, share. Tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and we'll help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the waitlist if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph